Hello and welcome to a festive edition of, when I say festive, obviously, I'm, we're not going to be pulling party poppers or anything like that, but in the middle of the festive season, uh, Forever Blue podcast. Uh, and for that reason, this podcast is going to be slightly shorter than usual uh, because everybody's time is precious. We want to spend time with our families, etc. And it'll be the same when we do the next podcast, which will be... Uh, after, in fact, it'll be recorded on New Year's Eve, though you may not hear it till into the new year, but we'll record another one just after the uh, the weekend game against Sheffield United, and then it'll be back to normal. Now, anybody that's watched the video vlog that I did from Everton uh, will be thinking, I can't wait, well, hopefully you're thinking, can't wait to hear Barry Siltman in conversation, former City player from way back when, a real cult hero. Uh, but I've decided that rather than insert it into this audio podcast, though if people really want me to tag it onto an audio podcast, I will. But the video version will be on the uh, Forever Blue YouTube channel in the middle of the week between the Sheffield United game and the Huddersfield game. So you'll be able to see a half hour interview with Barry Siltman in that particular period. And as I say, if you want me to tag it onto something, then give us a shout out. You, my direct messages are open on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it these days. I prefer still to call it Twitter, but there you go. Or you can message me in other ways. You know how to contact me on social media and we'll slip it in there. But on, at the moment, the plan is not to make it an audio podcast, but you can watch it as a video uh, vlog uh, during the week between Sheffield United and Huddersfield. Now, for this shorter version of the podcast, uh, I am joined by Harlan and by Toby. Uh, so thanks very much, guys, for, for joining me. And we're going to reflect on two things particularly. First of all, the Everton game, which, as we're recording this, was last night, but also the Club World Cup, which, of course, took place in Jeddah. Before I do that, I just want to give a shout out to the two sponsors of this particular podcast, who are... Uh, new, newbies, if you like, Counting King, who are specialists in R&D tax credits and do business loans and all that sort of stuff. If you look them up, Counting King, you will find that they are based in the Manchester area. They are absolute experts. They know exactly what they're doing in recovering for your business. If you're a business person or you, you work for a business who might benefit from this, um, R&D, which is research and development grants from the government. And they are very, very good. I've got to tell you, I have seen what they've done and they're fast um, increasing their popularity and efficiency so search them out and tell them that forever blue sent you if you're a business and you could save loads of money uh, and also thanks very much to amar development uk who are the regular sponsors of the podcast they have the the pyramid off the m60 in stockport which has been developed into a world-class event center and by the way when we talk about my trip to Jeddah to watch uh, manchester city win the uh, club world cup then uh, they are the company that helped support me get out there as well to cover that. So I'm very grateful to them for that. So Everton last night, let's start with that. Um, City were a goal down, of course, at the interval, but then suddenly stepped up a gear. And I feel as if I've watched them do that quite a lot in recent times. I don't mean the the big contrast between one half to the other, but the way that they suddenly collectively come together and swarm all over the opposition and play a million miles an hour and completely overwhelm the opposition. And it felt like that's what they did. I mean, all right, there was a Phil Foden shot that opened the door, but it still felt like that. And as low as I am to admit this, 
I watched the United game the other night when they were 2-0 down against Villa and they did much the same in the second half. I mean, obviously they're not on the same level, but they suddenly started to really force back the opposition and then overwhelm them. Is that the way you saw it, you two? Um, Harlan, what, what did you think? Did you see that 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 view that I've just given? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think it's something that we all appreciate, you know, we, we, we want. And I think they spoke about it on Amazon, you know, post-match full-time. Spoke about how, how Pat demands, um, you know, he demands that his players do do the fundamental aspects of what every football team at the top level and any level really should do. You know, in the MPL, whether you're not, you know, in the North West Kentish Football League, whether you're a Radcliffe, a Coles, a, a Bury, a Curzon Ashton, no matter who you are, you know, in a football match, if you want to win it, uh, if the football isn't quite going that well at that moment in time or the opposition have got your number or they're doing something to counteract what you would normally do, then the hard yards and the running and the, the hard work and the internal determination and the dedication and the will to try and impact the game are all fundamental aspects of the game of English football and world football, but more, more associated with English football, you know, lion heart, desire, passion, pride, all the things you would associate with England and Lions, they are still within the Manchester City makeup. And I think that what Pep identifies within his philosophy is that how, however beautiful it may be and however strategic and however, you know, you know, pinpoint it may be at times, that, that, that come certain moments in, in certain games against certain opposition, i.e. Everton were better up front that made it difficult and physical, with Taki at the back and Oldham lad, who, who doesn't shy away from a challenge or shirk a challenge, that you have to do the hard yards and you have to run and you have to have that will, will and desire. Now, I'm sure the lads had it from minute one, but they certainly had it at half-time and I think that's probably because Pep, you know, although he looked smiley at full-time, probably did get a bit irritated with what he'd seen in the first half with the amount of times we'd give the ball away and how sloppy we were. Um, and the fact that he probably asked them to, to turn the screw a bit more and be a bit more aggressive. And then when we take the lead, turn the screw and make sure that we drive the result home. I think that, that, that both Pep, us as fans and the players, all all three of us, uh, uh, got what we wanted in the end and uh, managed to make you know the first fixture of the end of 2023 um, you know, a successful one. There's certainly a drive and determination that second half, Toby, wasn't there? Yeah, I think um, I think it was a good performance last night in in general. I, I think you could tell from sort of the first five minutes that our intentions in that game and how we wanted to play and how we wanted to attack them. Um, even when we went a goal down, I just said before before we, we started that I had no worries that we were gonna we were gonna come back and win that game. You know, there's been games this season and even in the in the whole time that Pep's been our manager where we've gone one two down whatever and we haven't looked like we've been in the game and we've lost where and we've had games this season where we. We've gone one or two down, uh, and last season and all the seasons where we've looked like we've been in the game and and come back to win it. So, I think that was as Harlan says. You know, it, we showed the drive and the determination last night to to do enough to win that game. I think one thing, you know, I'm I too pessimistic and too negative um, because it was a good performance and it was three very much needed points, especially after the results we've had. But that's now I've believe it's eight games Premier League games we've gone without a clean sheet which is the longest run um of that for five years which you know you still got to do start to get a little bit concerned um to go from being the best defensive team on the planet statistically last season 
to going to not having a clean sheet in eight game Premier League games is a bit of a concern. It's a worry, especially with John Stones going hobbling off the pitch last night as well. Um, obviously, these are negative things, and I don't really want to think too negatively um, after a good performance. But you know, we do have to think about these things and consider when we um, when we're coming out of a busy period. Um, but no, generally a, a good performance. Um, I'd, I'd like to make a word about Phil Foden. Though. I think Harlem was probably going to do the same, and probably you as well, Ian, because I, I've had my criticisms for him since the. Champions League final in 2021. I've stayed ever since that final. I, I don't think he's performed in big games. In, in the general, he's had one or two, but I, I don't think he's been up to the level that we know he can be at. But this season, he has just completely taken it to another level. He's been unbelievable. He's been probably one of our, our best best players across the season. He's, I mean, there's, there were stats last night and you go, this kid is just going to be, he's just generational. He's, you know, not not just to mention the goal, but but everything on the pitch. He, he was one of the reasons why we were able to press so high. I mean, you know, Bernardo runs the most out of our, all of our players pretty much every single game he plays, but Phil was up there last night. And the reason, you know, as as you say, in that we were able to press them and, and o- overplay them almost um, and completely put them you know with 80 percent possession or whatever it was uh, was because of phil and, and bernardo you know bernardo doing what he usually does but then with with phil there as well doing it as well um and then on the attack as well i mean he was just sensational and if, if he continues on that form you know we're, we're sitting here worrying about the likes of kevin de bruyne being out but if he keeps playing like that we've got absolutely no concern for when de bruyne does eventually go for good uh because he was he was amazing well, there's a lot of people suggesting that uh, Foden's best position is in central midfield. And we've had to a point this debate before on the podcast about why does Pep play him out wide more often? And maybe uh, one of the criticisms of him is, is losing possession in key areas. And we know Pep's not a big fan of that. Um, but is that where he should be playing? And if that is where he should be playing then with Kevin De Bruyne now being back in full training and almost imminently back in the first team, surely he's going to take that slot. I mean, I guess he could play out wide right because, you know, that is an area that he's played in before. You know, where does everybody fit in? It's a nice problem to have, Harlan, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It uh, absolutely is. I kind of preempted what you were going to say then as well. Uh, nice leading there, Ian. Fully qualified, <laughs> eloquent journalist. Absolutely. Um <laughs> And and we love you to bits for it. You're brilliant. Um, no, what what it what it what it is, Ian. It's 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 difficult, but it's also a, a great headache to have. Do you know what I mean? Like like you know, you see managers with with lots of, of of very good players over the years, often scratching their head. Pet more than many, and the reason for that is because they know what they want to do, but these players are constantly asking questions of them. No matter how how confident they are, no matter how how many times do you think they've got their eleven. In their mind, I mean, we think as fans that we wake up on a morning knowing the team or thinking we know 70-80% of the team and we think, ah, Pep knows it. I'm guessing that that sometimes, even up until, because we know how meticulous he is, but we also know how obsessed he is with football and how he he sometimes can't help but think of maybe an hour before kickoff or, 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 or maybe, you know, the night he picks his team, an hour before that moment he tells the players, He's still thinking about something else that could work in a game against a particular opposition or or opponent. Um, but if you don't have the players to think that deeply about it and you just know you're 11 every week because you've only got a squad of 18, uh, everyone's fit and you know that they're 11, you're going to play them boys. Um, the thing with Kevin and Phil is that they're both capable of playing next to each other as well. So Bernardo showed last night, again, that he can hold his position on the right. 
which is something that Pep really needs you to be able to do. You know, the Omri situation back in the day, Omri came central, he scored a goal, he took him off. I mentioned it a few times because he went searching for the football. He didn't his position. He didn't trust his teammates to find him. To play the position that Bernardo played last night, Ian, you've got to be, one, able to hold your position, and two, you've got to be patient and wait for the ball to find you, not go to find the ball. And it can be quite frustrating. Similarly, different style of play, Jack Harrison for Everton, he didn't touch the ball before he scored. And they were talking about it in commentary, you know, 20, 20 odd minutes until Jack Harrison touched the ball. He managed to go central because Dash maybe is more reluctant to punish him for that. He got a goal and he scored with, 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 with a touch. But he was brave and he was willing to wait. Um, Bernardo can play out on the right because he can do that job. Sometimes Phil will not want to stay out there on that left-hand side and he will want to come and get involved and he will want to find pockets. They will want to sit in our spaces. They want to come deep and pick up the ball and help drive us forward. And and, and sometimes then you've not got that player on the left if, if Grealish isn't playing as well to, to support us and facilitate us in the attacking phase of play down that left-hand side. So I, I'd be happy with De Bruyne and Phil with Rodgers in, with Bernardo out on the right-hand side. Because I think what Phil gives you then is he gives you that street footballer. Kevin gives you that player that will you know, get on the half turn, three-quarter turn, and drive you up the pitch in transition. And then you've got Rodri sitting there, just worrying about doing the Rodri-esque stuff, picking up the ball, winning it back, putting in them little, I call them toe tap challenges. I know you're a fan of them, Ian. Probably you are as well, Tom. Just them little simple ones that he did last night, where you get in there, you poke it away from the opposition, and you keep the ball moving. And he did it quite a few times last night, and we benefited as a result of it and created a chance. So I think, you know, Phil could play inside, he can still play on the left. I prefer him in the middle. And I think that Kevin De Bruyne will have no problem playing in there with him. Does it limit Nunes' chances in the team? Yes. Does it limit you know, Kovacic from playing minutes? Yes. Um, but for me, although Kovacic has looked better in the last couple of games, uh, he does look a bit slower than he did against Burnley. You know, he doesn't look... He's not Ilkay. Um, and I think that he'd be more than happy to, to rotate within that midfield three. Nunes is, is going to be a second season player, a bit like Bernardo was, um, you know, a bit like you know, you know, you, 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 your other players that that, that we brought in uh, that have needed a season, or even Grealish, um, and I think obviously Calvin's off in January, so I think the opportunity is there for Phil if he wants it, um, but he's versatile, and I think that, that we'll benefit from his versatility too. Before we move on to the Club World Cup, which you want to speak about as well, I'll uh, bring you then in, Toby, on the question of once we have Haaland back, Kevin De Bruyne back and Doku available, albeit that in the next few games that City face, and this is no disrespect to them, but Sheffield United, even away to Newcastle, home to Huddersfield, home to Burnley. So there's a little period here and there's the international break in the midst, not the international break, the winter break in the midst of all this. There isn't the same intensity and there isn't the need for Pep to necessarily identify his strongest 11. But once them three are back, once everybody's fit, hopefully Storms is fit as well and that's not a serious injury, there is a dilemma for him to pick his best team and all he likes to rotate. But once you hit them big games, who does it leave out? <laughs> well, just like you two have said, it's a it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? I mean, if you want to go on the the best the best form this season, when Doku comes back, you you've got to play Doku because he's been incredible this season. I mean, Haaland was just mentally 
mentioning about um about Nunes being a second season player like we've had many times in City, and then we have players like uh, like a Kanji and like Doku who have come in and just hit the ground running, which in this team, believe me, is 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 difficult. We've seen that, um, so it, it, it's it's a really tough one. And you know, I've got I, you know, you've got to give a bit of a mention to him because Jack was sensational last season. He hasn't quite been up to the same level this season. But for him, but I think part of the reason for that was, first of all, the injury that he had at the start of the season. And then um, Docker was just just pushed him out of the team. And that, that's incredibly hard to do for a player that was such a pivotal part of the season um, in our treble winning season. Um, in terms of the midfield, I think I agree with you both. I, I, I agree with Harlan in that, you know, De Bruyne and Foden, there is space for both of them. I think he's he's playing Bernardo off the right a lot more now. I think that's where he's finding that position to be, and he's and and Bernardo's enjoying that position. Foden is, in my opinion, definitely better through the middle. He's able to get on that that half turn, that little that little Cruyff turn he does so well. We see him, we saw him do it in the Champions League final. Um, you know that little turn he does through the middle. It's it's just amazing. And and then as 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 we have as Harlan says, we have Rodri in the middle just to sweep up, as he always does. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about John Stones because him and Rodri do make a nice pairing in that midfield. Um, when we when we have the ball in the, in the transitions, um, and I I was going to mention just before we move on to the Club World Cup as well. Obviously, that injury came from one of these situations where it was offside, and the linesman hasn't flagged. We've gone played on, and then he's got injured, and then he's flagged, which is just ridiculous. Now we have potentially another player out for however many weeks we don't know yet because they didn't put their flag up and it's and you sit there and go that that situation could have been avoided had he put his flag up when he knew it was offside and I I, I get the the opinion of our row we've got to let it play just in case because we've got VAR but that for me is just ridiculous like we've now lost a very crucial player um in our team because of a, a ridiculous rule but anyway um as I say uh, I think Pep will know his best eleven. Well, will Pep know his best eleven? I mean, knowing him, he'll probably start playing five midfield. <laughs> so, I mean, you just you don't know until we get to the lineup. We just we just don't know with him. Um, but Doku definitely. When once Haaland comes back, we know he'll get in the team. Alvarez has played well in the last few games. I think that midfield will be pretty shored up, as Haaland says. Um, it'll be a, a Nunes second season. I wasn't a hundred percent sure why we went for Kovacic. I'll be completely honest. Um, he's not going to, I get it's the sort of Gundogan type replacement, but I, 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 he's not Gundogan, unfortunately. And you were never going to replace that, that him with that kind of player, especially the kind of age Kovacic is. So um, I think, yeah, once we have the players back, I think it's nice that we've got sort of a, a cool down period now where we, you know, with all due respect to the opposition that we are facing, it's a period where we can sort of go, right, we just need to pick up the points. We don't need to blast them away. We don't need to be winning five. We don't need to play fantastic football. We just need to get three points and get through the, the first round of the FA Cup before the season really kicks back in again when the Champions League is in as well. Yeah, good point. Well made about uh, the uh, the offside flag and the VAR and all the rest of it. Go on, Harlan. Yeah. Just just one more point on, 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 on this before we move on to the Club World Cup. Big shout to, to Guardiola last night as well. It's not not easy. It was a it was a hostile, volatile place to be last night, Goodison Park. And that was just from what I was watching on the television. Uh, don't know whether Amazon had turned the cameras, uh, sorry, the cameras, the microphones up uh, to try and make it more intimidating for the City fans watching at home. Uh, but it sounded very, very loud. Obviously, you were there, Ian. Toby, were you? I'm not sure if you were there last night at all. But I, d- I didn't go last night. It was one of the ones I missed. It sounded very, very hostile. And credit to the Everton fans. They are, they sing a song that they are 
you know, a grand old team to play for. They don't care what the red side say. Well, credit to them for that because we don't either. Um, but they were they were very loud, and I'm sure for the city players, no matter how good you are, no matter what you've won, when you go one 0 down at Everton, you know whether you whether you're Rodri or not, it, it, it doesn't matter. You know the Everton players, the Everton fans don't 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 care. Quite frankly, they're going to put it on you, and you've got to be able to rise to the occasion. And for Stones to go off when he did, Toby, and then for Guardiola to come on, someone that's playing one out of position, two that's only 21, and three that's in his first season in the Premier League and has never been to Goodison Park ever before, or probably... Out, out of position as well. Yeah, not many grounds like that. You know, that, there's not many grounds like that, um, you know, the, 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 the English English old-school grounds that he would have played in. And he, he matured. And he played very, very well. And he did the sensible thing a lot. You know, he played simple passes. He facilitated us playing out from the back in that second half. The, the passage of play in the second half to play out from the back left corner was some of the best defensive to attacking football I've seen us play under Pep in a game like that, where we were under pressure at a place like Goodison. It was an exceptional, it must have been 30 seconds of football where we were being pressed the life out of and we managed to get it from the bottom left-hand corner of Goodison Park into Phil Forden, into midfield with the opportunity to drive forward and create an opportunity to attack and hurt Everton Ian. It was absolutely brilliant and Guardiola was a huge part of that. He's playing on the left-hand side. He's got nowhere to run because, like I said to you on the podcast before the Club World Cup, he's got a touchline next to him and he can't play as a centre-half and he's not got two channels to play into right and left. But what he did last night was he made the game very simple for himself. He was physical. He knew what the game demanded of him. He matured as a 21-year-old in terms of the fact that he entered a dogfight. And I thought his football was very, very clean. So a big shout-out to Guardiola, who's coming for a lot of criticism. But a place like Everton came into his own last night for me. I think really... we learned something off uh, off Fluminese for that game. <laughs> we were playing a bit like that. <laughs> What I would say is that having been among the City fans at Goodison Park, um, I don't obviously know what it sounded like on TV. Uh, all I can say is that where I was, it sounded like it was all City fans. <laughs> all, all I could hear, obviously, because I was surrounded and I could hardly hear the Everton fans. So it's interesting how it's perceived differently on TV than when you're actually at the game, which takes us then to... The, you know, the tournament I've just returned from as well in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. Um, and I've got to say that I feel very lucky and privileged to have been there. Um, it's been a, a journey. You, a lot of people will know that I've been watching City since uh, basically home and away and, and, and pretty much every game apart from closed doors, etc. Um, since uh, the nineteen mid-1970s, um, you know, two and a half thousand games and to have watched all the journey that I've watched, the absolute lowest of the lows and some fantastic highs culminating in watching City win the Club World Cup against Fluminense, uh, or Fluminense, as some people say, the Brazilian champions, the Copa Libertadores winners against Boca Juniors, which was, which was a dream final as far as I'm concerned, was like the culmination of, of, of you know, and then twenty twenty three surely will never be equal or beaten. You know, all the trophies in in one calendar year. Uh, on the other hand, as lucky as I was to be out there, and thanks again to Amar Development UK for helping me do that. Um, it also felt like since the Club World Cup of twenty twenty five will be over a month long in the states, 
and it seems highly unlikely that I'm going to be able to go and, and watch my team play in that tournament because it's just it's just too much. Um, and maybe that will be the end of my story. Who knows? But to have actually seen them win the Club World Cup in the flesh was such a joy. Um, it was a country, Saudi Arabia, that of course we know politically is not the best, but nevertheless, it's a country that's changing. And my experience of it, and that's all I can talk about, is that I've never met such friendly and helpful people on all my journeys all over Europe, all over the world. I, I can't tell you, are just ordinary people. This is nothing to do with people of privilege that I met or the people who are you know, had got me there. These are just ordinary people and they were extremely kind, extremely nice, extremely helpful and extremely genuine to a point where I was amazed. And this wasn't the only, I wasn't the only person that has had this experience. I've talked to other people as well. On the downside, you know, I was in a stadium of 60,000 for the final. And I think, I can't tell you for sure, but there were about four or 500 City fans who'd actually made the journey from Manchester. There were lots of people there, of course, wearing City colours. I saw lots of Fluminense fans who'd gone to even greater expense and effort to get there from Brazil. And, and their journey home was even longer than mine, which was, you know, obviously sort of 12 hours of flying and getting off at Cairo and flying on again a bit more. So I really admire those people, but I did feel a lot of sympathy for the, the people who'd been on the journey like me and the newer fans like like you two younger fans um, who couldn't be there, couldn't experience what I'd experienced in the flesh. Perhaps you'd seen it on TV, still felt the warmth of it. And on the podcast a couple of couple of podcasts ago, I think it was, Tommy Booth and sorry, um Joe Corrigan and Peter Barnes had expressed what some fans here in England would have said, which is it's a Mickey Mouse trophy, means nothing, we're not bothered. Um, obviously, for those who went like me, it felt a lot more like a proper, real tournament and something that I was very, very proud to see my team win. And so it was lovely to hear the fans at Everton singing the Champions of the World song and, uh, you know, that 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 just filled my heart with joy and I'm so so proud and pleased. But I was watching it over there and so I was absorbing it. You two were watching it further afield. I'm curious to know whether you shared Joe Corrigan and Peter Barnes's view, whether it changed when you watched it, how you feel about it being whether it was in Saudi Arabia, whether it was in America, whether it was in Tokyo, or no matter, it had been on the other side of the world, which would have excluded a lot of match-going fans. Does that any of that matter? You know, what 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 what's your view on the Club World Cup? Bob, uh, I mean, look, the whole thing feels very full circle. I think maybe you will feel this a bit more than I or Harlan will, Ian, and, and perhaps. You know, that's because, as you mentioned, with the sort of younger generation of fans, you've sat there and, and watched City and really in the mud. So this must feel for you, especially must feel so complete almost. You know, I've watched this year. I've watched, you know, I've, I've, I live down in Watford and a lot of my mates are Watford fans. And I've watched this year more City win more. I've watched this week City win more trophies than Watford have won in their entire history. So we're very privileged and we're very lucky to have a team like that um, that are winning. And, but we haven't always been like that. So that's why it kind of feels very full circle and very complete. The achievement itself, to win five trophies in a year and it be the trophies that we've won as well, it being the treble, the Super Cup and the Club World Cup, 
that achievement I, I it's never been done before and I don't think it'll ever be done you know there's you sit there and you know not not to talk about our, our neighbors who I think now they're the noisy neighbors to be honest um you, you know for them to sit there saying well go and win a Champions League go and win a treble yeah well we've done that now why don't you do our list why don't you go and get 100 points why don't you go and go, do a domestic treble why don't you go and win five trophies in a year because that's what it takes to be at our level it's just incredible you know obviously I don't know what it was like to be there I was very, you know, I just, it just wasn't something I was able to do at this point in my life. And obviously that's, that's unfortunate, but um, for me, it didn't feel, it didn't feel too different. Um, Obviously the Champions League final, that was something special. And I don't think I'll ever get that feeling ever again uh, in terms of a football sense. Maybe I will, I don't know, but that, that did feel very complete and very full circle. Once that full-time whistle went with the Club World Cup, it didn't feel Mickey Mouse. It didn't like we were winning didn't feel like we were winning a community shield which is what we've done in the past we've won these sort of these these competitions you only get into by winning things um it, it felt very very complete and very very satisfying and and nice to think that we've done it all you know and and you know seven years ago when Pep came in is this what you know he came in to win a Champions League but the, the level that he's taken this team to you know we we play a brand of football that is looked upon as an and is admired by not just this country, but the world, and not just in the four leagues. It's it's played everywhere. That this this playing out the back, this high pressing, the way he has changed the way that football is played in this country and in the world. And and there's no greater compliment than that. There's you know, and that, and those aren't the things that can be said with words. Those are the actions and the things you see. So you know, for Pep Guardiola to to have have done this much and to think in our first season you know talking about Everton we lost 4-0 to Everton in our first season at Goodison Park and I, I, I you know everyone was sitting there at that point going is, has this been a mistake bringing Pep in and seven years later we're sitting here with five trophies in a year and a Champions League and a treble and it, I, I can't put into words how much it means to me you know, my dad's been supporting the, the club since he was a kid. And I, I can't, I, you know, I can see how much it means to him. I can see how much it means to you guys and every fan that goes, whether you go to the, every game or not. I've been in a very privileged position where I've been able to go to quite a few games, especially last season and this season and, and going forward as well. Um, but it just means so much to have a team that that dedicates themselves to to winning and and to, to not just doing it once, but to continue on. And, and a manager that just has the mentality that I've never seen of any sportsman before, ever. Brilliantly said that, Toby. Follow that, Harlan. Yeah, yeah, just, again, Ian, just, uh, you know, a culmination of everything, you know, all the all the defeats as a kid, um, you know, the, the 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 big defeats, you know, the ones that mattered, as a, you know, at the time when I was little. Um, you know, I'll never forget the Hamburg game, um, you know, needing goals in that game and, they had Van der Vaart and they had, you know, uh, you know, they had, they had, they had, they had so many, you know, not world beater players, but but they still had better players than us in, in good areas. And I, I think it was, um, what he was called, uh, was it Gutierrez? No, it was Gutierrez, but they had a striker anyway. Um, and they had Olic and players like that. And I'm looking, thinking these lads are European. You know, they're experienced in Europe. You know, we're we're. We, we, we're not, but we keep trying to have a go in Europe. We're just trying to have a go. And we weren't taken seriously by people. We lost over the two legs and it was devastating. And I'm like, we're just, we're just, you know, what, what, what's going to happen here? And obviously they've been taken over, but at that moment in time, it was all still quite fresh. And it was all still, you know, this could go badly wrong. This could be like a, a two-year, three-year thing. That's what everyone was telling us. 
It was a two-year, three-year thing. You might win one trophy and then it's done. Even when we'd won the FA Cup, Ian, I'm not sure if many City fans, I mean, you'd have to tell us yourself after this, but I'm not sure how many more trophies you thought we'd win. And, 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 and at that point, had we have only won the FA Cup and then something would have gone drastically wrong with the ownership or whatever, and we wouldn't have won anything else, would it have been worth all the heartache even then without everything else we've won after that? Because quite frankly, growing up as a kid, I stood next to the FA Cup. I stood next to the Premier League trophy at the Etihad on a swap shop there for my sticker album. And it had red and black ribbons around it at the Etihad. You might remember the day yourself, Ian, if you were there. But I stood next to it and there was a picture of me holding it with a with with with, with the 20 years shirt from now. So the, the first season shirt in the new ground. And I always look at the picture and think, we've won that. But we've not just won it once, we've won it six times since. And we've won a treble. And that FA Cup there that I'm stood next to at the Hilton in London at the show races and the red card, you know, event. Um, you know, we've won that as well a couple of times. And Vinny's lifted that. That guy that came in days before, you know, the shape came in with Zabba. And and you look now and you just think to yourself, Wow, do you know what? If we'd never won any of them, I didn't know any different back then. But my word, that is miraculous. That is miraculous. And whether you say it's money and whether you say it's investment, whether you start spouting all signs of all nonsense, oil money and state-owned and all these throwaway things that people keep saying that just roll off the tongue at will with no basis, no backing, no nothing. You know, everyone seems to be a financial expert. Everyone seems to know all the FFP rules. You know, by hand, everyone seems to have got an FFP textbook for Christmas with all the details of what rules this and what rules that and what rules the other. Everyone seems to know everything, especially those from Merseyside on the red side and those from that small place called Stretford down the road from where we all uh, seem to commute, well, where we all get together on a, on a Saturday afternoon. But what I will say is this, Hamburg, Spurs in that Champions League game at home, I was devastated. Spurs went crouch score, but then we, we we made it matter the year after and got ourselves into it. You know, all the defeats as a kid in Derby, you know, winning the Thomas Cook trophy against, I think it was Olympiacos, Ian, that was the trophy I wanted. That, it was a trophy. It said trophy after Thomas Cook, so it was the one I wanted. And you know what? Now we've done the Club World Cup, Premier League, as Toby said, the Super Cup, the FA Cup, the League Cup, many of the Premier Leagues, but to do five in a season, Club World Cup, Premier League, FA Cup, you know, Super Cup, and 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 win the Champions League, you know, that what what many seem to think, and and I agree to an extent, was was the biggest one. After everyone had done us down for so many years and said, "Nah, Pep's never going to win it." It's it's, I won't say it's closure, Ian, but it's. It's not closed because the, the, the journey will go on. And no matter what happens next, I'll be there, you'll be there, Toby will be there. Whether you're there in a journalistic sense, Ian, or not, you'll, you'll still be there as a fan and you'll still be there, you know, supporting from wherever you are in the world. But I'll tell you something now, we, it's, it's, it's I've healed a lot of my wounds from, a, from being a kid. I'm sure you've healed yours and I'm sure that you can't thank your mum enough for introducing you to City and taking you to the game that night and your dad. And that scarf, my friend, that you've got, that you wrap around your neck on many a big occasion has given us many great moments. And I'm sure that the look that your mum blessed it with 
is hugely responsible for what we've all seen our team develop into. Well, thanks to the two of you for, for being on this uh, shorter podcast. What we're going to do in the next one is we're going to look ahead to 2024 and what's to come. And we'll talk about the potential repercussions of these charges. If that's revealed during the next year, obviously the collapse of the um, sort of legal control at FIFA and UEFA have over football of uh, the upcoming Champions League. There's all sorts of stuff that we'll talk about in the next one. Um, so I'm indebted to to Toby and Harlan for their contribution to this one and obviously whatever you're doing for your festive period, your quiet time. Um, take a look at the vlogs that I did, for example, out in Saudi. It gives you a little bit of a flavour. I did four out there, two of the games and two of the, the days in between and check those out and always look at the, the match day vlogs, which give you a, a real flavour of the feeling of the fans in the ground, you know, before and after. None of it's artificial. I don't seek out people who have particular views. I just meet people and ask them what they think. And that's what you see. And um, hopefully that's that's what you want to see. So thanks very much for your support on the podcasts and the vlogs. And uh, as ever, you know, just, just remember this. It's great to be a blue. I'll be back, by the way, with the next uh, audio podcast, which we'll be recording just after the Sheffield United game. So we'll record it on New Year's Eve, and then we'll be back, as it were, to normal after that. And look out for that Barry Silkman interview, which will be uh, put out between the Sheffield United and Huddersfield games. Have a great New Year. Have a happy Blue New Year. <laughs>